We are in our family series, and uh, we have been talking about family matters and uh, talking about how family matters because it matters to God. That our family and the family that we have and the family that was created by God and uh, the marriage and the family that we have was not just our own ideal. It was not man's ideal. It was not the world's ideal. It was God's ideal. And as God has created marriage and the family, he has given us some specific instructions and he has given us some scriptures in the Bible that we can use to apply to our life to have better marriages and to have better families and better, better homes. And the problem is the world um, has really tried to redefine marriage. The world has tried to redefine the family. And sin has wreaked havoc on our families and in our home life. And so uh, the Bible uh, is clear in the instructions, but what has happened is the breakdown between we applying that to our lives and for Christians to be formed into the mold of this world. Last week, we started our message on Parenting 101. I was going to do one message on parenting, but now it's Parenting 102. All right, so this is the second, uh, second sermon on this. We'll have two more sermons after this Sunday in the family, and we'll have a special su- sermon for our uh, uh, Celebration Sunday coming up. And then after that, I'm still praying about where we can preach and uh, where I could go in God's Word. And this series has been a little more difficult for me because you know I like to expositionally preach the Bible. I like to go to chapter so-and-so and and verses so-and-so and and go through them. And this has been a little more topical for me, which is uh, a little harder for me to preach in the style that it is. And so as we have talked about this uh, family series, I hope as we talked about having a great marriage and a great family, one thing's for certain, it it just does not happen. Like when you see a great family or you have a great marriage, it doesn't just fall out of the sky. It's not something that just is automatic. Two people who are Christians get married, they're going to have a great marriage and a great family. No, it takes work. It takes effort. It takes a commitment to God and a commitment to his purpose and for you to pursue God's purpose and plan for your family. Because through our own sin and then through the influence of the world, it draws us away from God's best for our life. And, and, and sadly, many Christians and many families have given up. They've stopped fighting. They have stopped pursuing. They have thrown in the towel and they just accept whatever comes in their marriage and whatever comes in their family. And maybe you are here this morning. You say, you know what? I have thrown in the towel. I have given up. Or maybe you're saying, I'm not even married. Or I'm still single. Or maybe you have kids or you don't have kids. I don't know where you are. But I hope through this series and through this morning, if anything else, you could just commit to whatever you have to God. Say, God, here's where I am. Here's where I have failed or here's where I have not failed. But I just want you to have everything I have and whatever your plan is and whatever your will is for my life, I'm willing to submit it to you and to fight for your principles in my life. If that means to piece your marriage back together, if that means to go and restore relationships with your kids and your family, if that means to be a great grandparent to help your grandchildren and your children raise their children, whatever it may be, I hope you are willing to surrender it to God. Because as I stand here this morning, I stand not as a perfect guy. I don't stand as a perfect parent or a perfect husband. I don't stand as one who's never made a mistake. And you will not find anyone who will be able to stand and say they have never made a mistake. And sometimes when you preach on family, you preach on the home, 
Uh, Sometimes people beat themselves up. They feel guilty. They feel shame. That is not the purpose. God can take anything and everything you have in your life. He can pick up the pieces and put you back together again, but you got to be willing to submit it to him. You got to be willing to say, God, we tried it our own way, and now we want to submit it to you. Or I tried it my own way, but I want to submit it to you. And whatever you have, wherever you are, be willing to commit it and submit it to God and say, it's yours, wherever we go from here. And so these messages may not exactly apply to your life right now, but hopefully you can help someone who's a friend. You might can help someone who is is younger than you or older than you, but maybe you can take these and use them them uh, in your knowledge bank. And as we have talked about children, we have talked about the, how children are a part of the design of God, of God for the family. Children did not just show up and drop by a stork one day, okay? They were a part of God's design. One of the things that God had blessed uh, Adam and Eve with was with a child. And they have, uh, this design had come and they were a gift from God. Last week, I talked about this a little bit. I hope you did it this week. If not, I hope you do it this week, that you should go to God and thank Him for your children. Wherever they are and whatever they're doing, if you have a child, that is a gift from God in your life. And we need to, hey, that was my dad that said amen. I, I tell you what, I, you, it doesn't get any better than that. Now, if I got my mom to say amen, that would really be good. But you have to realize that you you have to realize that in your life, your children are a gift and to be thankful for them. And I know they drive you crazy. And I know sometimes you think, man, my life would be so peaceful without them. And they've done this and they've done that. But really, when was the last time you just thank God for your children? When was the last time you just raised up to God and said, thank you for my children? Children are a gift. And if you were gifted with a child, you need to be grateful and thankful for each one of them. So children were a part of the design of God. They are part of a gift from God. And then they are also part of a responsibility from God. We as parents or you as a parent, there is a responsibility for you to train and to raise your child. And this morning, I want to continue to talk about parenting and the family. And as we talk about this responsibility, first and foremost, in your marriage. When children come into a marriage, it changes the marriage. I like to say it takes it up a few notches, all right? It it, it brings some things into it that will challenge you. It will challenge a good marriage. It it challenges a marriage and its commitment to sacrifice. Uh, You know and I know that kids come with sacrifice. That when you choose to have a child or you are blessed with a child, however you may want to say it, you are challenged with a sacrifice because they need attention. They need time. They need a a responsible adult or parent to take care of them, and that's going to affect your marriage. As you two are married together, when you have a child, now you are not getting less of a commitment and sacrifice. You are making more of a sacrifice and more of a commitment to raise that child. And so when you have a child, you better be ready for sacrifice. You better be ready for more commitment to your marriage. And having a child will stretch your commitment to your wife or to your husband. It will also challenge your communication. You have to communicate better. It is no longer you two just together and you do your thing and she does her thing or he does his thing and you do your thing. No, with a child, it brings you even closer than what you are right now. As as you have to work through these issues and trials and commitments and sacrifices with a child, you must learn how to communicate better as a husband and a wife. 
And it also challenges your patience, right? If you have children, you know it challenges your patience, that it will challenge your patience together. And so as you journey in your marriage or in your, in your marriage to raise children together, I want to give you four things that I have thought about that will help you parent your child together. Uh, number one is both parents must be committed to raising that child. Now, I know because I've heard this, and sometimes I may have thought this, when you raise a child, there are extra responsibilities that come with a child. They are hard work, right? You have to get up in the middle of the night. You have to change diapers. You have to uh, be with them when they're sick. You have to do all those things. And so responsibilities and the workload goes up. And I've heard people say, well, that's the mom's job, or that's the dad's job, or that's this job or that job. No, it's both of your jobs. That is your job as a parent. You are to split the responsibilities and raise your child together. It's not, hey, wife, just go take the kids and I'm going out with my friends. No, it is not just their responsibility. It's not just the man's responsibility. It is both parents must come together and talk about the, the workload and the responsibilities and split them up. Now, I know for men, this is very hard because in the middle of the night, it's hard. We don't hear babies cry at night, okay? And so we have this automatic thing that we are born with that we can sleep through crying children, all right? I can't count the number of times I woke up in the morning, looked over there and says, you really didn't hear them crying all night? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> but regardless, if you don't get up in the middle of the night, in the morning, it's your turn. Your responsibility to do it. If you have whatever it is, you both of you have to be committed to taking on the responsibility of raising a child. It's not just the wife's job and she's overloaded and she's doing all the work. It's not just the husband's job. It's both of you coming together, splitting the responsibilities and raising the child together. You must both be committed to the responsibilities of raising a child. Secondly, you got to have honest conversations about how and about how you are going to parent. Now, I know this one's difficult. And the reason why this is difficult is because both of you probably were raised two different ways. And your mom and dad raised you one way, and, your, and the other mom and dad raised them another way. And, and, and I'm sure in that marriage, you probably, there were probably some good things that your parents did, and there were good things that your spouse's parents may have done, but there are also some bad things they have done, right? That no parent is perfect and no one had the perfect upbringing. Like if you yell and scream at the top of your lungs every time your child does something wrong, that's probably something you don't want to bring down through your family legacy, all right? If your child is still sleeping in your bed at 20 years old, that might not be something you want to bring down in your family legacy, right? And all kidding aside, you know, and I know, that we both, uh, as husband and wife, you both have things you were raised with that are not right. You had things that were good, and you had things that were bad. And as a parent, as a, as a couple, you got to talk about those things. And you got to say, hey, this is not how we're going to raise our child. And I know it's tough because you're going to get defensive and you're going to start to to pick out what other people has done wrong. And it's tough and it's challenging, but you got to do it. And you got to come to those conclusions and say, here's what we're going to identify as communicating these differences. And as we have done these things, these are the things we're going to do. And you must come together and communicate about how you're going to raise your child together. And it's tough. 
and it's hard, but you got to communicate and you got to be honest about how you're going to parent your child. Thirdly, you got to be united. And Erin has helped me uh, with this the most out of anything because unfortunately, sometimes me and her, we don't agree on everything. I think there's been one time that we didn't agree on something. No, I'm just teasing. More than that. But when it comes to parenting kids, you'll have differences of opinions. I have one way, she'll have another way. And many times we have to agree to disagree. But the temptation is when you go to your children and they say, Dad, can we do this? And you know your spouse has asked you not to say that or to do that. And you say, well, I think you can, but your mom says you can't. All right. That automatically sets them up to put your mom against your dad. And then kids are smart. They're going to go to their dad and say, well, mom said, and they're going to go to their mom and say, well, dad said. And if you're not united, next thing you know, they're putting one against the other. And next thing you know, you come together and you say, well, that's what she does. And you undermine the authority of being a parent as together. But you may not agree, but you need to be united. When it comes to addressing issues with your children, you have to be united. If you agree together, that's the way it's supposed to be. When you go before your children, you can't say, well, your mom said this, or your dad said this, or I think this is right, or I think this is wrong. No, you both have to come up with a solution, and you don't have to agree, but you have to be united. And you can disagree, but you still must be united in how you're going to parent your child. Because if you're not, you're going to put one against the other. And that will set up your children for using you to, to want against one another. And the fourth one, and probably the hardest one, is being consistent. If you say you're going to do something, you better be consistent in doing it. And there is nothing that children can read better than when you're not consistent when you tell them you're going to do something or you tell them you have decided to do something and you're going to enforce it or you're going to discipline them, you have to be consistent. You can't enforce a rule for one day and then the next day let them get away with it. You can't enforce it one week and not do it the next week. When you say you're going to do something, you must be consistent. As parents, as a couple, you must be united and you must be consistent. Whether they're with you or whether they're with your spouse, you must be consistent in what you've agreed to in your parenting of your children. And when you come together in your marriage, it's a challenge. These things don't just happen. You got to work at them. You got to talk about them. You got to be vulnerable to one another. And let me tell you what will happen between, what will happen in the meantime while you're parenting your children. You become closer and closer as husband and wife. As a parenting, as you parent your children, when you do the principles that God has given us, it will bring you closer and closer. And if you don't, it'll drive you further and further apart. And that's why it's so important for us as a marriage, if you're married and you have kids, to do these four things to put them to work in your life. All right, well, that was free, all right? And you say, wow, that was a heck of an introduction, all right? Well, the early service didn't get out until 9, uh, 1030, so no, I'm just teasing. Uh, we, we, we think about it in marriage, but I want to talk a little bit about, go back to talk about the children a little bit. So in marriage, you have to come together. You have to be united. You have to be consistent to do what? Proverbs 22, 6. That's what we read this morning. If you, don't, if you don't have it, you can mark it there. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Last week, we talked about Ephesians 
First, uh, chapter 6, verse 4, and you fathers, this is in the masculine sense here, but really the word and parents in the Greek is masculine. So this could really read, and you parents uh, in general, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. So as a couple, as a married couple who have children, the responsibility for you is to train up a child in the way it should go. It is your responsibility to not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. That's the commands that he has given. And we talk about the first part, training. Training is teaching your children the good things to do, the right things. It is what you teach your children to do. First and foremost, we must teach our children what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If we are a Christian parents who want a Christian home, we must teach our children how to have a relationship or how to live in unity with Jesus Christ, how to have a relationship with Christ. And above all else, as a parent, as a Christian parent, your responsibility when you're finished with your child, if you ever finish with them, if why they're in your control or under your authority, you must have the response or you have the responsibility to teach them what it means to have a relationship with God. We have to share the gospel with them. When you're done with your child, it's not how popular they were. It's not how good at sports they were. It's not how uh, the world views them. It's do they have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Do they know the things of God? Do they know how to worship the Lord? Those are the things that we have responsibility to do. And when we talk about training up our children, it's our responsibility to do that, to, to teach them about Jesus Christ. When we have child dedications, we do not baptize babies because we believe that a a relationship between God and man comes through Jesus Christ. You are not born a Christian. You are not born someone who has a a relationship with God. You have to come to a point where you trust in Jesus Christ and you must believe in the name of the Son of God. And so we we commit our children to the Lord, but we also commit ourselves to raising them in a, in a way that we will bring them into the gospel of Jesus Christ. We will bring them to let them know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You say, well, practically as a parent, how can I do that? Number one is to pray for your child. Let me tell you, as a parent, you should systematically and consistently pray for your child. When our kids were young, uh, all three of them now, praise God, has accepted the Lord and they, are, they have given their lives to, to Christ. But every day when we would pray for our children, the first thing we would pray for is for their salvation. And I, have, I can stand up here and I could have people and I could give uh, testimonies of people, countless numbers of people who will come before you and say that I went and did my own thing and I was running from God, but I always knew that my mom or my dad was praying for me and it changed my life. As a parent, let me tell you, you need to pray for your child. Pray for their salvation and pray for their walk with the Lord. And just as a challenge, when you look over this week, how many times did you pray for your child? How many times did you pray for their salvation? How many times did you pray for their walk with the Lord? As a parent, that's our responsibility. We are to train them up in the way of the Lord and to pray for them. 
but also not just pray for them, but we need to practice what we preach. It's easy for us as parents to say words, but our kids see how we live. And not only do we need to pray for them to have a relationship with the Lord, we need to show them what it means to have a relationship with the Lord. Most things that kids uh, have are not taught, they're caught Meaning that they see how you live. They see how you treat one another. They see how your relationship with the Lord is. And if you're not praying and you're not reading your Bible, why would you think your child would want to do that? If we're praying and we're reading and we're practicing what we preach and we're reading our Bible and we're praying, then that shows our, cho- our children that we're serious with our relationship with the Lord. That it means something to us. And listen, kids will watch what you do and they mimic what you do. I'll never forget when I was growing up, not when I was growing up, but when Tucker was young, uh, I was doing things and saying things and acting ways. And next thing you know, he started mimicking me and everything that I would do. And I got to think, I said, wow, that is pretty cool that I could get him to do things that I was doing. And it was kind of funny at first. And then all of a sudden I started realizing, oh, this is kind of dangerous because he's starting to watch what I do and he's mimicking what I would do. So if uh, Aaron had said something I didn't like and I had talked back to her or I might have uh, made a funny face at her, guess who else was doing that? He was doing that. At the time it was funny, but it wasn't that funny. But I got to thinking in my mind, that's what they do. They watch and they mimic. If your child were to mimic what you do in your life, would they be a Christian? Would they have a relationship with the Lord? Would they see someone who loves Jesus? Would they mimic someone who serves the Lord? Would they mimic someone who reads the Bible? You know, for us as parents, you know, I have done, actually done funerals for people and their parents have passed away and I've asked them, what, what is, how was their relationship with the Lord? And they'd say, you know what? They never really told me about it. I, I just never heard. Listen, our kids should know our testimonies. Our kids should know when we got saved. Our kids should know how our lives are different from Jesus Christ. Our kids should know that we serve one another. We got to practice what we preach. And not just say it and not just pray, but to practice what we preach. Live it out every single day before them as they watch us. And thirdly, as a parent, to, have, to guide your children to have godly influences in their life. It is our job as parents to protect our children. I've said it before, and I'll say it again because it is so true. You show me your kids' friends, and I'll show you their future influences in your kid's life will eventually lead to who they will be in their life. And for us as parents, it's important for us to guide them into godly influences in their life. We need to have Christian friends. We need to be a part of a body of Christ in church. We need to be a part where we have them have godly influences in their lives. Not just cool friends, not just popular friends, not just uh, athletic friends, but friends who have godly influence in their life. Because it's going to take not just who you are and you walking out before them, but their friends and the, the contacts they have in their social, uh, social circles. Are they influencing with godly things? And that's why as parents, I encourage you, never let your children have relationships or spend the night at someone's house that you don't know who their family is. Listen, kids can see something and do things in one night that can scar them the rest of their life. And if you have a child and you let them spend the night with people and you let them go with people's families, and you don't even know who their parents are, who their mom is, who their dad is, who their family is. I mean, that's crazy. 
You, you got to know and you got to try to guide them and you got to try to influence them and have, let them have godly influences in their lives and their homes. Other Christian families and other Christian homes to be a part of who they are. And as you do these things, you train them up in having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Not just train them, but the Bible says we must admonish them. We talked a little bit about this last week. Admonishing means disciplining your child. Proverbs 13, verse 24 says, He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. As a parent, discipline is correcting behaviors, attitudes, and actions of your child. Now, I know for parents of boys, we know about behaviors and actions. And being a, a, a dad of a girl now, I understand the attitudes parts too, all right? Because boys would do things and do it without attitude, but girls do them and they have attitudes too, all right? So disciplining not just actions and attitudes, but also uh, 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 behaviors in your children. We are to discipline them. Children are not perfect. I know I probably just broke someone's heart this morning because you think your child has never done anything wrong. They do wrong. They, they talk back to their teachers, believe it or not. They, be mean, they are mean to kids at school. They do things wrong at church. They do things wrong to your parents. They do things wrong. They do have in their life, they do things wrong and they need to be disciplined. They need to be corrected. They they need to have their attitudes adjusted. They need to have their actions adjusted. They need to have their behaviors adjusted. And you know who God's put that responsibility on? Not the school and not the church and not just the, the government. He's put it upon the parents. That as a parent, you have the responsibility to admonishing or disciplining your children. Your children need correction from you. A parent that is not willing or chooses not to discipline their child is setting their child up for failure. It sets them up for failure because they don't understand what true love is. They don't understand what boundaries is. They don't understand how, the, how, how, God's, how God's world works and how this world works. And, and I think that's why Proverbs uses such strong language here. He says, he who spares his rod hates his child or despises his child or his son. Listen, discipline takes time. It takes effort. And it's much easier to let your child go undisciplined than to discipline your child. It takes time. It takes effort. And I think that's why so many parents slack on it because they don't spend a lot of time with their kids and the last thing they want to do is discipline their kids when they have time with their kids. But undisciplined kids become unruly. And I think if we've learned anything in our culture today, that undisciplined kids uh, leads to undisciplined society and unruliness and disrespect. And, and, and they, it, it also leads to them not experiencing what true love is. If you only love someone so much and you say, I'm just going to give and give and give and give and never discipline your child, they disconnect from you because you only show them liberty. You never show them the love, the true love. And for us as parents, it's important for us to take it seriously when it comes to disciplining our children. I talk about five things about disciplining your child. Number one, discipline is not an option. Talked about this last week. Talk about it a little bit now. As a parent, you don't get to choose if you're going to discipline your child or not. It is a duty. It's a calling. It's a command. And for us, as a, as a parent, when we're done with our children, it's not so much are they happy, it's but are they holy? 
Like, like God is not so much worried about their happiness as they worried about his, their holiness. And for us as parents, if we let our children do everything they want to do or anything they want to do, what are they going to choose? They're going to choose sin and wrong behaviors. And as a parent, we must discipline. It's not an option. You're not going to love your child and, and do, give them everything they want and expect them to be, be right in life. No, we have to correct the wrong behavior. We have to discipline. It's not an option. Number two, you got to identify your child's discipline language. Now, this is important, especially if you have more than one kid, because more than likely, uh, each kid has a different discipline language. Here in Proverbs, it says uh, in this verse, "He who spares the child spoils the uh, he, he who spares the rod spoils the child." And, and as Christians, we take the authority of the Bible on this issue. And when you think about it, a rod here was mentioned as a switch or a branch. That means when a child is disobedient or is not acting correctly or is destructive, that a physical correction can be used. It's not physical abuse. It's not smacking them upside the head. It's not causing a major injury. All right. It's not abuse. Of course, the Bible or myself is not an advocate of that. It's not something that you can, can allow this, but here as one of the forms of discipline is a physical form of correction. I sure know it worked in my life. <laughs> I can remember uh, uh, when I was being raised and my mom would say, wait till your dad get home. I knew what that meant and I knew what was going to come with it. And guess what? It worked. It was a great deterrent for me because it was a great motivator to straighten my act out because uh, it has worked with even with kids and my kids. And like I said, not physical abuse. That's one tool. But, but physical correction is not the only form of discipline, and it may not even be the most effective discipline for your child. I, I said this before with, with Tanner. It did not matter uh, any form of physical correction with him. He didn't care. I would say, you're either going to eat that or you're going to get a whipping. He'd say, I'll take the whipping. <laughs> it's like, okay, where do you go from there? All right. He, he, it didn't speak his language. But if I told him I was going to take away his Legos, oh boy. All of a sudden, he'd start eating, or at least try to eat. <laughs> and that's why it's important not to just look at one form of physical discipline and say, that's it, that's what discipline is. No, discipline is speaking your child's language that corrects behavior. It may be that, but it may be something else. And it's your job as a parent to find that out. And as you find that out, you use them and you use that for your child. Listen, every child cherishes or loves something that when it's taken away or limited, to them, it gets their attention. And I know for most people, or some, it may be TV time. Your child may like to watch TV, and if you discipline them by taking away TV time, that may help. Or maybe it's going over to friend's house. Maybe your child likes to go places, and you limit them to where they may go, or you may uh, add things to their chore list that you got to do this and this and this around the house, whatever it is, it gets their attention. Whatever your disciplined language is for your child, you got to be figured out and you got to use it. It's part of being a good parent. And I know this is hard because it takes time to figure it out. One size doesn't fit all. You can't just take it and use it for all your kids. But as a parent, you got to figure out what your uh, child's discipline language is and you got to use it on them because like the Bible says, if you spare the rod or you spare discipline, you spoil the child. If a child always gets what they want, then they're spoiled. Life doesn't work that way. When you get into a marriage, you can't have everything you want, 
When you get into a job, you can't do everything you want to do. When you go to school, you can't do everything you want to do. It's not based upon who you are. It's based upon uh, who who they want to do or what they want to do. You don't always get your way. And for us as parents, when we discipline, we speak their language and we don't spoil our child. That's a that's a command that we have. Thirdly, not just finding out, but this is important. Never discipline out of anger. And I know this is challenging, especially because kids can drive you crazy, right? I mean, if anyone knows how to push your buttons, it's your children, right? And they might smart off to you or they might say something to you and you want to respond to them out of anger. But don't discipline out of anger. Discipline is not just punishing your child. Discipline should never be done out of anger. If you have a problem with that and you are so upset that you don't think you can control yourself, you need to go sit down, calm down before you actually discipline your child. Because it's important for us to let our children know that disciplining them is not something we do out of anger. It's something we do out of, out of duty. It's something we do as a parental part of our, of our life. Fourthly, we got two more. We got to work hurry. We got we got to work faster. Here we go. Four is mix your discipline with grace. Listen, if you always took your child and and beat them down and corrected them and overcorrected them time and time again, guess what happens to them? They get to a point where they'll just give up. That's what the Bible says in Ephesians when we read that in chapter six says, "Do not provoke your children to wrath. Do not exasperate them." Listen, you can be on your child so much that you can push them into exasperation. You can tear them down so much they feel like they could never do anything right. And that's not the purpose of discipline. And that's why when you discipline your child, not only do you have consequences, but sometimes you got to mix it with grace. You got to have them come and say they've done wrong and what they deserve, but then say, you know what, I'm going to give you grace on this. I'm not going to do this and do that because I want to show you that, yes, you've done wrong, but yes, there still is grace and there still is times when you mess up and you're going to get another chance. And listen, for us, when we come to our relationship with the Lord, aren't you glad for grace when he mixes it in with our discipline? I sure am. Man, I know there's plenty of times when God should lower the boom on me and I know I'm wrong and I know what God could do and what he can do in my life, but yet he shows me grace. Let me tell you, sometimes we learn out of grace more than we learn out of punishment, right? And for us as parents, we got to know when to punish, and then we got to know when too much is too much. We have several or two teenagers and one almost a teenager in our family. And uh, I know with teenagers, sometimes it seems like all you can do is correct their behavior all the time, right? There's always something to be corrected, and, the, and, the, and the, the temptation is to always beat them down, to always point out their faults, and to always provoke them. But for us as parents, we've got to realize that we've got to mix grace into that. We've got to, even though you, gotta, even though you could, you've got to pick your battles sometimes. And you've got to say you don't do everything right, but pick the ones that matter and mix discipline in with grace. That's your fourth one. Fifth one and last one is the goal of discipline is not punishment, but righteousness. Listen, a great model for this is the way God treats us. Hebrews 12, 11 says this. Now, no chastening or discipline seems joyful for the present. Boy, isn't that the truth? I think one of the biggest lies I've ever heard was this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. All right. Listen, no discipline seems joyful for the moment, right? If you want your child to like you or be your best friend, discipline's not going to get that done, right? But it doesn't seem joyful for the present, right? But painful, 
Nevertheless, all right, all that, but nevertheless, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And that's the goal. As we parent and as we discipline, as we admonish our children, it's not just to punish them. It's not just to say, I can do this because I'm your parent and I'm punishing you. No, it is to train them in the peaceable fruit of righteousness in their life. And for us as Christians, for us as parents, that should be the goal that we have. And so I challenge you, as you look to your life and to your family and to your home, where is it that you need to admonish your child? How is it that you need to discipline your child? Are you doing these things? Because when you're not, you're not fulfilling God's purpose and plan for your family. And maybe you're here this morning, you say, you know what? I, I, I don't have kids anymore. They've already grown up and they're gone. Listen, take those things and ask God to help you with your grandkids and help you with your kids. And as they raise their kids, or maybe it's a friend or a family that you can get involved with in their life and help them, whatever it may be, God's truth is true. And as we work through these things as a family, as we work through these things in our marriages, it's going to challenge you. And maybe you're here and you say, you know what, that's exactly what happens in my house. It feels like mom's against dad and the kids try to put one against the other. Listen, you got to come together and say, listen, no matter where we're at, we're going to get united. It is us, and we are going to stick together as parents, and we're going to respect one another, and we're going to be united. Or maybe it's where you say, you know what? We don't spend enough time with our kids. That we're going to be committed to, to, to turn some things away in our life and sacrifice some of our time with the things that we like to do to spend time with our children. As I've said this before, and I'll say it again, children spell love, T-I-M-E. That's how they spell love. And they watch how much time you spend with them. As you spend time with them, you can influence them. As you influence them, you can, you can parent them the way that God wants you to parent them. Maybe you're here and you say, you know what? I just need to be forgiven. This whole thing of responsibility, I've just messed up. Well, I got good news for you. That's where the gospel comes in. That's where you can give your heart and your life to Jesus Christ. And with all your failures and with wherever you are, God could take your life and he can begin to put the pieces back together again when you give it to him. And maybe in this morning, you just need to say, Lord, I need you to come into my life and take me and make me into being something for you. In Jesus' name, let's pray together.